Welcome to A No Place to Hide, a men's mental health podcast. Over the coming weeks and episodes, I'll be talking to guests from different industries and different backgrounds, all willing to share their story and their experiences. Alongside this, I'll be talking about my own experiences and my own stories, covering a wide range of topics. Sometimes this will be hard-hitting, brutally honest, and even sometimes shocking. Subjects that we will be covering and talking about are of a sensitive nature like suicide, self-harm, addiction and sometimes people that have been in very dark places but all of this is in the aim of breaking that stigma of men not talking or men not seeking help so welcome to a no place to hide come and take a seat and listen along the journey on men's mental health with the aim of breaking that stigma together On the show today, we've got Sean, a 36-year-old, works for a major mobile phone retailer uh, by day. By night, he's a vintage football sticker nut, um, who actually once had trials with Norwich City, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, mate, when I were younger. <laughs> Seems like uh, a lifetime ago, does that? Pre-premiership oh. or? Um, no, but I think it, the, the, recently just got into it. Um, I must have been about... I don't know, maybe 10, 11, something like that. It's not to be sniffed at though, mate. That's, uh, Norwich City is quite a big side in, in the grand scheme of things, mate. So fair play. Fair play. Um, so, yeah, just a bit of background about yourself. Um, you know, what what ticks, what ticks, makes you tick? What um, what kind of things do you like doing? What keeps you happy? Um, well, now it's all about family. Uh, um, I've got two young girls. One's three in October and other ones one tomorrow actually one Um, happy birthday for tomorrow then yeah yeah so it's going to be a busy day tomorrow but um yeah all all about family now mate um whatever I can I can do to spend quality time with them that's that's I suppose once you've got kids involved that's what it's all about isn't it that's what we all aspire to do, you know, just just be there for his kids, give them the best opportunities that they can, you know. We've had our, our time now, you know what I mean? It's, um, <laughs> That's it's, it, it's their time now. So, um, I just want to ask you a quick couple of questions off the cuff. I'll probably catch you out a little bit. And I just want to just, obviously, mm-hmm. your reaction to it and everything else. So, do men cry? Yeah. When was the last time that you cried, genuinely? Um... Last month. Last month. And if you don't mind me asking, what were it that, that made you that made you cry? Um it was the twelfth of June. The twelfth of June. And yeah, and that was meant that so that should have been the, the um due date of our son. And that's, that's back in twenty eighteen. And that's the reason why we're here talking today is, is obviously to try and break that stigma. Uh, around your experiences and what you've gone through, um, which I'm glad that I kind of asked them questions. They're not very nice questions to ask. I, I appreciate you answering them. Um, so that that particular date is obviously what we're here to talk about. Um, <clears throat> so your life leading up prior to to obviously you and your partner um, getting pregnant. What what was life like? Back, you know, what did you experience any negativeness about yourself or anything like that? Uh, yeah, pretty well, most of my life, to be fair. So when I was nine, so we moved away to Norfolk when I was a kid, um, when I was about five. So I moved to Norfolk. And then when I was nine, um, I got pulled out of a classroom to go and see Ed Master. I was getting into trouble, so I thought, what have I done now kind of thing. Yeah. And then when I got in there, my mum was there crying. Um, so I thought, well, this is a little bit, little bit different than just getting told off. And she would have to tell me that my real dad had died. I didn't really have any kind of relationship with him. So it was it, it was quite cold hearted to be fair. All I wanted to do was get back to my art class and carry on doing what I was doing. Yeah. Um I was knee deep into a drawing a picture of a, a Cadbury's lorry and I was colouring it in. 
<laughs> it's strange um, how that, that's, that, you know what I mean? That's imprinted in your mind that it were a Cadbury's lorry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I would, I would heavily focused on that. So that's what I wanted <laughs> to get back doing. Um, so, yeah, it, it never, it, it's something that never affected me, but it's because I've, I've always had like a, a father figure there. My granddad used to come and visit all the time. So to me, until I was 15, 16, my granddad was my dad, essentially. Right. Um, and then when we moved back round to uh, back round these parts, my mum got back with uh, my brother's dad, um, and then he kind of he kind of took over from there, I suppose. So I I kind of had two father figures. Um, in two thousand eight, my granddad died, which hit me quite hard. Um, so that was the first time that I felt like my dad had died. Right, and then. A few years later, uh, then my stepdad died. Um, so yeah, it's been a a difficult one sometimes. Um, yeah, but I learnt a lot from a, from a granddad dying. But I think that gave me a lot of uh, a lot of life experiences to deal with. You know, like death after that, I suppose. How did you deal with the grief? I mean, obviously when. Uh... Personal experience myself when when I lost my granddad, he was a massive hero of mine, um, and I never dealt with it when he went. It was only years later after suppressing it, because I'm a man. Do you know what I'm saying? I didn't. Yeah. It wasn't the done thing, um, you know. I, so I, I didn't deal with that grief until many, many, many years later, which was a whole part of my downfall, to be fair. But, I mean, did you? how did you find dealing with the grief with your granddad about the first time you you sort of tried to deal with it? Or... Um, I, sp- I suppose dealing with it, it's, I think, like you said, because you're a man and stuff, you, you deal with things in in probably not the right way. Yeah. Um, I've always been, you know, typical man, as you view him from years gone by as, You'll bottle everything up, um, and that's it. Kind of what I did. Everything got bottled up. Um, I didn't really even at his funeral. So like he was, you know, like the like you said, he, he was my hero growing yeah. up and stuff. I did everything with him when I could, from the pea picking in fields and filling bags <laughs> full of peas and that, um, to making walking sticks. You know, like going for a walk in woods and finding a branch <laughs> and making a walking stick and that. Brilliant um, memories, though. Yeah, so I've got loads of loads of fond memories, and it's it's weird because I felt guilty at the time that I I didn't cry or anything at his funeral, and a few a few years later, my nan died, um, and I weren't really very close to her, um, but I cried like a baby at her funeral. Do you think and you then your granddad through your nan? I think so. Like looking back at it, I think I think so. Um, but then, yeah, like year, years later, um, it then kind of hit me that, you know, like he's no longer here and stuff like that. And I was just one night just sobbing, like in bed, just sobbing. Yeah. It's uncontrollable as well. Isn't it? We, the, the grief crying yeah, yeah. is just like, I've not experienced any <laughs> other sort of, I've had experienced a lot Talk of Talking about it now, it's <laughs> making me tear up, you know. <laughs> it's good, it's good though, it is good. I mean, I've, I've I mean, Christ, I've, we're over five minutes in, I've already got a lump in my throat itself, but, you know, it, you do, the, the crying, you have those, those grief tears are just like, you can't, you can't explain them and there's no other, like, emotional sort of tear, sort of, I can't even explain it, but there's no other like emotion like the grief side of it. It's mm. and everybody experiences grief in different ways. Everybody deals with grief in different ways. Um, but I think it is quite a taboo subject that people tend to skirt around a lot about, especially in in obviously what we'll get into with your experience. Even more so that that's a very taboo skirted round subject or a forgotten subject. Um, mm. But yeah, so I mean, moving on from that, you and you and your partner, um, how long were you together for before before you got pregnant? So, what's the background? Um, not long, to be fair. It was quite a quite a quick thing. I think we've been together just under a year. Yeah. Um, but we we met quite late on. So I'm 36 now. Um, we met when I'd uh, just after I turned 30. 
Um, she's a couple of years younger than me. Uh, I'm just at a similar stage, you know, in life. So mm. it was one of them where from the, I suppose from offset, you kind of have a chat about what you want from life and stuff like that. Especially, you know, when, especially when you're a bit older, you know, you, you kind of set your stall out of what you want in life. and Yeah, definitely. There's no point beating around bushes and no. letting something go on if you don't <laughs> want the same kind of thing. And so, yeah, we both wanted the same thing. And then, um, yeah, it just kind of, we let nature take its course and she fell pregnant. See, so it's, it's a, a, how did you feel though when you finally found out that you were, you know, you were going to be a dad sort of thing, the emotions and, um, well, cause it's, I spoke the first time, you know, you're not expecting it. So shocked at first. You shit yourself, um, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Like now it's time to grow up. Yeah. Men don't particularly, I still don't even feel like I've grown up now, to be honest. No, no, it's, it's um, Peter Pan mode, isn't it? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, a little bit of shit. I'm going to have to grow up and be an adult and, you know, like tech, <laughs> tech control in my life kind of thing. Um, <laughs> But then, yeah, after that, then it was um, a little bit every emotion, really, like worry. Um, you know, am I going to be a good dad? Um, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be a good dad from my experiences, like when I moved away when I was younger. My dad never never even made an effort to come and see me. You know what I mean? So I, 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 I had that mindset, well, that I'm going to be, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be like a good dad. See, it was instilled in you, so you obviously, you know, from your experiences, you knew what you wanted to feel when you were a child. You wanted to obviously make sure that your child was going to experience those positive ones that you, like, yearned for, I guess, as a child. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's admirable, that, and I, and I take my cap off to you for doing that, I really do. And I, it's a shame there's not a lot of fathers that are, have the similar ilk and, and thought process. You know, there's, there's a lot of dads, unfortunately, that, that don't take that responsibility on. And then, you know, there's the other side of it as well. There's some dads that want to take that responsibility on and that, that you know, they're not allowed to do for yeah people using the kids as weapons, which is a, a shame <clears> as well. But, um, so yeah, so, so just talk me through the, the pregnancy and what happened. If you feel comfortable getting, you know, shall we, shall we get up to that? Yeah. So, um, it was, yeah, it's kind of like a, a bit of a jaded memory in uh, in some aspects, but it seemed fine, you know, like in beginning and stuff and everything were good. We'd gone to, you know, like your, um, your scan to confirm that you're pregnant. Then we went to 12-week scan. Um, a lab that I, that we both worked with actually, um, as a, like a little gift, he got us um, like a an early gender reveal. All right, yeah. Um, so then we went to we went for that, and ev- everything seemed fine. And from I think it was after about I want to say like around about twenty seven, twenty eight weeks ish, uh, maybe a little bit earlier, um, we'd gone in because of reduced movements. Mm. Um, so we were out for feeling reduced movements, so we'd we'd gone in and, and what have you. Um, they put like the heart rate monitor and stuff like that. Um, and then I think we were in maybe three times with reduced movements. I might, I might be wrong. Um, and then she went to, we went to uh, a 4D scan. Um, and you could, it, it weren't, he weren't playing ball, you know, like to see his face on 4D scan. Yeah. So then we uh, had to go back another time. And then she went back and they'd, they'd noticed uh, something kind of wrong, saying, I think it was that is uh, something to do with his bladder, I think they said. Um, and anyway, we went back into, went back into hospital. Um everything seemed all right she, she had um a baby shower uh on a sunday i think it was um or a saturday and after she'd come home she were feeling reduced movements again this were like 30 just over 32 and a half weeks i think it was well quite far um away. yeah so then we went went into hospital obviously 
again reduce movements um and then when she was put on the heart heart monitor she couldn't really find anything then called another doctor in and i, I think at, at that point i kind of knew that obviously something were wrong um we then got moved to a private room where a doctor come in with full kit and yeah that's that's when we were told uh that there were no heartbeat. Jesus Christ. I just fuck my I'm welling up. <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's fucking cruel, isn't it? It's um It's isn't it, yeah. So uh so this will like well, yeah, as, as you can imagine at, at that point. That's when his world come come crashing down, so to speak. Was it a little boy then? It was a little boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's called Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. Oh, mate, I love that name. I love that name. It's uh, my little boy's middle name's Frank, after my granddad. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> that on your uh, on one of your podcasts. Is it yeah, like... is it Jackson his first name? Jackson Frank, yeah. Yeah, Jackson Frank. Yeah. Is um <laughs> Jackson came about as a so I don't know how it came about. So I had a bit. I had a weird dream one night that we were, we're going to have a little boy and we're going to call him Jackson, and then it kind of stuck. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I'm like, what would this for? Like what, thirty two weeks ish, something around that. I think yeah, thirty two and a half weeks. Yeah, like it's a little bit scrambled in my memory. It's obviously one of them that you try and you don't try, you don't try and forget. Obviously, um, I know what you're saying. It's, though, yeah. it's obviously not. Not a fond memory, is it? So no, you try and bury it a little bit, don't you? Mm. And, and, and you know, as a, as a dad, I mean, up to that point, you know, you you go through all, like you said earlier on, the, the full range of emotions. You know, you're excited, you're nervous, you're shitting yourself. You know, you, you're yeah. panicking. You know, you're thinking, "Am I going to be a good dad? How can I be a good dad? You know, what can I do to get myself in a position where I can, you know, give." my child, you know, the best of everything and or, yeah. I, I'm not going to spoil them, but they're going to get nice things. And, you know, it, <laughs> you never kind of think that will ever happen to you. It's one of those things that you always think it happens to other people. You never think it, it happens to you. It weren't something that even crossed my mind, obviously leading yeah. up to it. It weren't, yeah. weren't anything that, because you don't really, you don't tend, it one of them as well back it's come a little bit more to light now, yeah. but when it when it happened to us, you didn't really hear, hear too much about it. Um, so, but then since then, like the amount of times that I've seen it happen to even people that I've that I know that I've played football with, it, you know what I mean, that I've worked with, yeah, like maybe three four occasions, it, it's happened to them, and it's like how can it? It's just it's it's mental how how often it happens and th- there's not enough done about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree that, you know, just obviously I, I do a bit of research for for each podcast. I do, I do a bit of research on, you know, what treatment there is out there, what like aftercare treatment there is and, and whatnot. Yeah. But there is very little. And as far as anything for men, um, there is nothing. There's absolutely nothing. So, Obviously, as, as a parent, as a dad, you know you're still grieving. You're still going to go through the same range of emotions as the mum. You won't go through obviously through the physical um, side of it, you know, like the mum will do. But as a man, you know, you're going to get angry. You're going to feel powerless, frustrated. You can't help your partner, sort of thing. And there's yeah. literally no. The only thing I found was on the NHS website, and it was one paragraph on on men dealing with the the grief and trauma from miscarriages or stillbirths that that's literally all there is out there there's nothing and that's in 2023 and that's in you know 2023. What i mean it's five years yeah. on since it's happened yeah yeah you know and i i know of people that have been through a similar <laughs> experience unfortunately and if i had not known them you never hear it anywhere you know there's you know there's adverts for all sorts of weird and wonderful things and you know you, you see People promoting all sorts of things for for different, you know, mental 
problems and and you know like there's there's the frank thing for people with drugs and alcohol problems and there's there's also mm. but as far as this is concerned there's nothing out there for any support or anything for for the man or for the woman i mean i, I presume the woman they get quite a lot of support medically when they're in hospital for obvious reasons but yeah post miscarriage or stillbirth you're pretty much just left to fucking fend for yourself and there you go off your pop fucking deal with it sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think if you're not in a strong <laughs> relationship with, with your partner that you're with, that could be so destructive and completely destroy both of your lives. If you've not got that strength together. Yeah. It, I mean, I think I read something like 80% of relationships or marriages will break down after the loss of a child. That's right. Yeah. I read the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which it's it's massive, isn't it? Oh, it's, yeah. that's a horrendous percentage. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's through, just through <laughs> lack of support. It's yeah, just totally through lack of support. You know, I, I mean, I don't know about yourself, but when I was looking at um, like on forums and stuff like that of, of people that had experienced it all. The only like afterthought that people always have is is other people that have dealt with it, so they're seeking help from other people, and that that can be quite yeah. dangerous to be honest with you. Because if somebody's had a really negative experience off the back of it, you know you're going to draw that negative negativity off them. You're not going to get the proper professional help and and structure that they yeah. need. And I think we're sorely lacking in that, um, especially for how common it actually is. And even though you don't hear about it, it's not an uncommon thing to happen unfortunately um so yeah i mean i think it's fucking shocking if i'm brutally honest with you there's no <laughs> charities or anything like the nhs don't do any sort of i don't know if you experienced anything post no so i mean there's a couple of charities like there's um there's one uh which we uh got a you know some some bits from which was sans charity um they're they're quite good they they do do you know like quite a lot of stuff yeah if you need it um there's there, there are others as well um i can't remember names of them but it was sans that we that we looked at mainly um but you know like if you want to go to a, a group setting or there's online stuff and what have you um so yeah they're 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 good at what they do they do provide Provide a fair bit of fair bit of help. How did you find it as as a man and being the dad? How was you? Did you feel like you were supported by anybody, or did you feel like you kind of got left to it and you you know you had to be supportive for your partner and put yourself to one um, side? Yeah, I think I think my own feelings were kind of like that. You know, like, like you've got to be strong one for your partner and stuff. And I think obviously with my granddad and my dad dying and, and what have you, that that kind of helped me, even though I didn't necessarily grieve right for them. That kind of helped me be a little bit more of a, I don't know, not let it affect me as much or not let it show that it affected me as much. Um, you learned to mask, basically, over years. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, because you just of, of the thought as well, like, you touched on it, you know, you feel helpless towards your partner and stuff. And obviously being in room and you, when she's giving birth and stuff, and there's, there's nothing that I can do. And obviously I know what's happening. Yeah. And it's just a very, very surreal moment to see. It's meant to be obviously one of the happiest days of your life, but you know what I mean? For a couple of days after we found out that it didn't have an heartbeat, yeah, I think it was three, I think it was three days. So we've got to go back home and wait for three days until she can then go in and give birth. So, yeah. Um, I even begin to imagine that. Yeah, it, it was tough times. I mean, as you can probably imagine, darkest time that's, that I've had, to, I've had to endure. Yeah. Mate, I just want to give you a big hug. I'll be honest with you, I really fucking do. I'm... <laughs> um... I'm struggling a bit here. You know, I know as a as a bloke, I um, 
I never really wanted kids. It was never something I really. I didn't. I didn't want kids. I never really thought about it. And then having a, a son myself, and obviously I'd, I'd gone through a lot of issues with him when he was a baby, mm. when he was fifteen years old. But I, I couldn't. My worst nightmare is anything happening to my child. Yeah. And anything else I can sort of deal with or shit happens or whatever. But I, my worst nightmare is just anything ever happening to my child. And I really do feel for you in, in that, you know, in that respect, I really do. And, and I just can't imagine what you were both going through at that point in time and having, having to go home, knowing what was going on and, and just watching the clock, basically, I presume. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's something that nobody ever should have to experience and, and, Unfortunately, quite a lot of people do experience in it, and there is a stigma around men not talking, and there is a stigma around, you know, the whole miscarriage, stillborn thing. It's something that's like caught a hush hush, I think. Yeah, you know, and that's how it feels. It, it it feels like it's really hush hush, and people are like not ashamed of it, but not quite. I don't know, it should be a lot more openly spoke about than what it is, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I don't think people know know how to how to combat it. You know, if if obviously if it's one of your mates and so like my mates as an example, I can only imagine that they're thinking, well, what do I say? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, uh, from from a, a different way of looking at it as well, some people when they do try saying stuff to me and the partner, it's it's almost almost if it's like the wrong thing. So people will be trying to comfort you. Like they might they might say something like just as, as an example, I know exactly what you're going through. I lost me, I lost me dad, and that really hurt me. Yeah. But then in, instantly straight away in my mind, I'm like thinking, are you fucking kidding me? Like you've you yeah, fifty odd years with your dad. That's you know it. What I mean? yeah. yeah, I've never held my fucking baby, <laughs> and and how can it be the same? That's it, and I, I just feel like saying to him, you know, like the only time, the only time that I've got to hold my son is when he's lifeless, you know. Yeah, but you that you're trying to compare losing your dad, who you, who you've had fifty odd great years with, or just little things like that, and it. It used to really get to me, you know, like that you like where you're shaking with anger and stuff when yeah. people try and compare because obviously nothing's different. And even even from a like, um, like a, a, a miscarriage or a, any kind of situation like that, it's all different. So I think what I've tried, what I've come to to try and get myself to to learn is that when it is something to do with a baby, if it's miscarriage, it you know, six weeks, 12 weeks, or, you know, if God forbid that something's happened to baby after birth and they've, you know, they've had a couple of days with him all fine and then something goes wrong. Um, none of that can compare to each other's stories. No, everybody's... But I'd, ne- I'd never yeah. be able... I, I don't know what, they, what they're what they going through when, if it's a... Because I think it's if it's before 27 weeks... Um, and you lose a baby, it's not, they're not classed as a person. I did not know So it's that. classed as a miscarriage. I think it's 27 weeks, and then after that, the class as a person, so you can have a funeral and stuff. Um, wow. So, like, if that happened to someone at 26 weeks, but as you obviously know, you've, you've, you've got a son, and you see the growth chart and stuff, and at 27 weeks, There's they're a, formed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So... How, how it can be deemed that they're not classed as a person and they don't get a get to have a funeral and stuff and I mean obviously you'd be able to do it privately and stuff but just I I don't think the I don't think the registered as a person do you know what I mean so I'd never I I wouldn't be able to put myself in their position and think fucking hell because to me that's probably worse than the mind because I've we we've we've got to experience that and. It's just like it's different in it, so I've tried to get to get myself to try and look at it from from different aspects. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I get that. I, I, that shocked me. I didn't even know that that's... Um, I didn't realise that. Like you're saying... Yeah, I think, like I think 20, it's 26, 27 weeks, something like that, or maybe 24. I can't remember what it is exactly, but I know that they're formed and that they're a person, you know? Yeah, of course they are, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's... it's. I mean, what, what's the difference between 26 and 28? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, it's, it's yeah. staggering, like you say, as... It, when you go through that process, you, you see the growth charts, you see what they actually are at, at, at each individual point. Yeah. Um, and like you say, 26, 27 weeks, they are pretty much fully formed human beings. Mm. Um, and no matter which way you butter it up or, or whatever, it's that's still somebody's daughter or son, regardless yeah, of whether 100%. it's 12 weeks or full term, that's somebody's child. And, you know, there is a, there's a mum and a dad to that child that's that's going to grieve. Um, I mean, I, I I totally admire you and your partner for for, you know, obviously you're still with your partner and and you you you've got kids now as well, so <laughs> it's uh, yeah a lot of admiration for you on that. Yeah, it's obviously. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's uh, it were hard. There were some some. Rock- patches to you know like to get to where we are now and stuff um but yeah we we got there you know we got we got married after it happened because we at, at the time we weren't married so obviously we both had different surnames and we wanted to make sure that when we uh did have another child that we'd be married and it'd be you know not done the right way but I don't know, but it, we were just a proper family. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally get that. Totally get that. That's um, takes a lot to come back from that, though. Um, but that's just just shows just how much of a bond you you know you both must have to be able to come through that and and come through it with a smile on your face and a ring on your finger as well. You know, it's um, yeah. I can't imagine that were an easy process to get through. But um, so yeah, just just obviously. Um, Post the event, then. So, so what? Um, how did you feel? What? How did you get through all that? You know, how did you both cope with it as such? Um. So, uh, Muvarath still got a, a still got the full maternity, um, and I still got the two week paternity, um, and I went back to work. Uh, I think I've done the paternity and I think I had some holiday days and then I went back to work. Um, and at the time I was working at uh, Jet2 holidays. Yeah. So I was like booking holidays for people, you know, like over the phone and stuff. Shit. Um, and it would, it would just, it were awful. Like when people were ringing up and trying to, you know, like speak, oh, well, so-and-so, something's up with me. Uh, with my child, you know, so I'm going to need special assistance and X, Y, and Z, and you, they'd ask for an holiday, you'd you'd find something, and then they'd they'd moan about something to do with kids and really, really trivial things. Yeah. But it instantly, like, instantly triggered me and wound me up straight away. Kind of like you, you don't fucking um, realize you know, how lucky you are, sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So that was that for quite a while. Um. As a as a support, I suppose from from them, I've got a lot of angst towards them for the way that they deal with it as a company. Um, the yeah, I don't know if you've ever worked in a call center that people just can't stop talking. Yeah. Um, but someone from like the uh, it was from um, a, a, a real time, you know, like we sort your breaks and holidays and stuff like that out. Um, so they obviously had to be made aware of the situation because they have to put it into, you know, like the uh, formatting and scheduling and stuff. Um, why so and so is not going to be in, and one of them just told other people, you know, like the the story of what happened, and I come to find that out, and I lost my head a little bit. So I just I wanted, you know. I, grievance left right and center 
Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I want I wanted them done basically because it's obviously it's it's not. It, it were up to us when we decided to tell people what had happened and what well, happened. Well, yeah, of course. It's um, obviously and that got taken away from us. It got taken away from you? Yeah, yeah that, that, that right of, yeah. you know, like, who we tell. All oh, right, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. That got taken away from us. Um, so I was kind of on a on a bit of a warpath. Um, but nothing happened. It, it got swept under the carpet. Even even though you know what I mean, there were, there were proof about what had happened and stuff, and it got swept under carpet. And it, it really pissed me off. So I knew I knew that I had to get out of there as soon as I could, really. Um, and yeah, I, I ended up leaving. Me, uh, me of raft didn't didn't even end up. Going. I think she went back for a couple of kit days. That were about it. Um, oh, did, you, did you both work together in the same call center then? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where we met. Um, so at yeah, least something good came out of the. Uh, at least something good came out of the call center. Then, if that's where you both met. Yeah, definitely. I, I think we'll always look back at that, I suppose, fondly. Um, but obviously, a lot of bad memories there as well. So it'd be yeah, nice. It to, sounds like it. Nice to let them go and move on to something something fresh. So I think in the October of 2018, uh, when we lost Franklin, um, she got a new job, and then in the December of 2018, I got a new job. Um, so it was good, you know, like fresh start and stuff. Um, but it it was then always, it were always trying to find something to keep you busy. Um, because it, it obviously there were a void there, and I think that I think now when you look at it, even even though we've got two children, you know, like who are happy and healthy and stuff, and there's always going to be something missing that makes it complete. So we're always going to be looking for something to kind of fill that void. I'm with you. Um, so then, yeah, we we did in 2019 in January. We decided to get married. We got married in June. Um, and then after that, we then decided to move. So we put house on market, but then decided not to. And then 2020. Um, that's when. Uh, Ariella were born in October, um, and then we decided to move. <laughs> so, because you've not got enough stress on with a newborn. <laughs> yeah, so like we we were doing that, and then the we sold our house in September in 2021. Um, but the house we were getting, uh, the, the people that were getting it needed to move in quick. So we thought, ah, it'd be fine. We've we've seen an house. We'll put an offer in. Blah blah blah, and. Once we'd moved out, so she moved into her parents, I moved into my mum's, but she lives, they're about a 55-minute commute away from each other. Nice. So we were kind of like <laughs> sharing um, as daughter, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> taking in turns, you has her, and I'll go and stop at there sometimes, she'll come and stop at mine. And um, House fell through. We had a survey done. There was something wrong with house. So oh, then we had to start again and find a new man. house. So from like, I think it was from September until mid-January, we were both living apart. But obviously we had um, a one-year-old then at the time. So then, yeah, we uh, <laughs> during during that time then, um, she fell pregnant again. So then we had a massive renovation to do while she was she was pregnant um is this is this not while covid was around as well so we we got covid as well at the time yeah yeah um which it would like that were a blessing for us because ariella were born in october um i had me uh two weeks um paternity and then two weeks holiday so i were due to go back in november and then i must have been in for three days and everything got shut down so then I pretty much then had three months off. Just so you with... could re- renovate the house and spend it with your kids as well. It were, it, yeah, it were, it were nice. Um, you know, like just nobody really gets to do that. Having three, four months with, with a newborn and stuff. Yeah, I, um, think, I think men get quite a raw deal with that. Um, two, two weeks to bond with your newborn and then that's it. You're back in, you know what I mean, back at work and whatnot. It's... Yeah, definitely. And especially like in our situation, so... During both pregnancies, 
she uh, there were a lot more. So we had scans more. So not normally, obviously, you'd only get a scan at what 12, 20 weeks, and that's kind of it. Yeah. But we were having them um, every like three, four weeks, um, which were good because obviously it gives us like the the peace of mind. But with we Ariella as uh, as oldest daughter, um, so she was the one after Franklin. That war, when everything was going mad with COVID, yeah. so like when we were going in for scans and stuff, I weren't allowed in. So she's so, obviously the anxiety levels uh, must be absolutely through the roof, and and you're not even there yeah. to be able to fucking hell. You can't even support her. So that that was bad. Um, I think the first time I got to go in were a week before she was born. Um. So yeah, that war that that weren't great because again, you just feel helpless. Like she's got to go in there and she's shitting herself, and you know. But especially when it got to around about the time when we lost Franklin and stuff, and then she's got to go in and have these scans, and yeah, that weren't that weren't a great time either. So the the, the pregnancies afterwards weren't enjoyable pregnancies. You know what I mean? We couldn't look forward to things or enjoy them. We, it was just a, a an an anxiety thing of we just we just want them here. Um, yeah. So yeah. Kind of like you just, I've got, I've just get through this, just get through it, and let's just get a mere sort of thing, and then, yeah, We're, yeah, Never deal with everything after afterwards. Did you find that was the same on on the second as well? Uh, yeah, it were it were a bit easier because I were allowed in, you know, like with with the scans and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it was there, there was still anxiety there because. A lot. I think a lot of people have got the misconception of, you know, once you've had your twelve-week scan and then you've had your twenty-week scan, that's it. You sound. We were probably of the same mindset until what happened happened, and then it's like, you know, a, a couple that we know who we both worked with, um, they were pregnant at a similar time, so we lost Franklin at thirty-two and a half weeks. Um, they lost their little boy. Thirty-nine weeks and so many days. Literally a couple, you know, like it were when I'd gone back to work, so it weren't it weren't too long after us. And then you know what I mean? It's it's happened to someone else within call center. That's how you didn't hear about it, or we didn't hear about it. And then it's happened to us. It's happened to them. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just it's a small world as well, you know. And and yeah, to, to happen. In a short space of time, like you said, prior to that, you, you don't hear about it. No. I was talking to my missus about it earlier on, and and it's it's something that even women, <clears throat> obviously, you know, there's not as much stigma around women to talk and and be open about the emotions and stuff, and even women don't really tend to talk between themselves about it. It's kind of, I call it a dirty subject, you know, like mm. a taboo sort of subject that you know, like you said earlier, though it's. How do you bring that that up in conversation, and how do you go about that conversation without pissing somebody off or upsetting them? Or, yeah, you know, and you know, your experience is different to somebody else's, uh, and your how you dealt it with is different to somebody else's. So you might feel comfortable talking about, obviously, like we are, but the next person might completely just it might destroy them again. Um, I just think there just needs to be a bit more of awareness about it. Like you said, once you have your second scan, you're kind of in that mindset that that's it, brilliant. We're on home stretch now. Everything's going to be fine yeah. until your little one's here. And, you know, it's not always the case, unfortunately. Um, no, no, definitely not. I mean, like I said, a massive respect to you and your partner for, for battling through that, the house thing and, and everything that you've come through to... Uh, you know, to go through three pregnancies and and deal with what you've dealt with, but you know you, you've got a a beautiful family around you. You've got a, obviously you've got an incredibly loving missus that supports you, and you support her, and 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 that's something that a lot of people um, will find a lot of admiration for and respect for as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, how did did you find supporting your partner? Did you find it difficult to? to do with what you was going through or, or did you find it easier to support her and it helped you suppress what you was going through? 
Um, yeah, I, I didn't really feel like I could seek the support needed. I knew I needed some support, um, but I, I, I just felt, you know, like you can obviously see, see with your own eyes how how someone is and stuff, and you can gauge, you know, like the feelings and stuff. So again, I think it's just a, the whole men's mindset kind of thing you've yeah, got yeah. to be you've got to be the rock and you've got to be the support um everybody else comes first kind of thing yeah and i think that's the that's the the situation that i were kind of in did um, you did you find like it, you felt guilty did you feel guilty like you wanted to grieve but you didn't let yourself do that because you was guilty because you're the man and you know it's it's not something that Sort sort of like society kind of so like from my point of view and talking to other people's society sort of sees this miscarriage stillborn as it's all about the woman. I mean, don't get me wrong, it is a hell of a lot about the woman. The, the obviously the physical side of it and the emotional side of it, but there's still a dad there. Yes, yeah. there's still you know <clears throat> that's still you're know, half responsible for that child. You're you know and and. People I've spoke to previously about obviously the subject and and they sort of always is a quite a common theme that they feel that guilty and they don't speak out about how they're feeling for what for expecting people to say, "Well, you selfish bastard, your missus has just been through all that and everything else. What the fuck have you got to worry about?" So yeah. I, I think it's easier for men just to think, <laughs> "Fuck it, I'm not going to say a thing. I'll just support the <laughs> missus." And 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 it is it's a society. There's billions of people in this world and unless people start looking at it from a different point of view towards men, the percentages of, of male suicide and depression rates are going to just keep going through the roof. And yeah, it's, definitely. It's I mean, frightening, the percentages. Figures are already frightening as they are, aren't they? Yeah. And, and they're, on the, they're on an upward scale as well. You know, you look at them from <laughs> three, four, five years ago, uh, the percentages, it's, it's on a massive upward scale. And um, nobody seems to be fucking interested or bothered. If I'm being honest with you, it's I, I hear more men now that are, are interested about it, but you don't see it from from any like people up in the higher echelons of of society. Don't seem to give a shit. You know, it's your common working man like yourself and me that's seems to be the only ones that's actually taking any note and trying to do it help other men and. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this. I mean, it's, it's a must be an incredibly hard conversation to go through and, and relive as well. Not something that, um, which is why I spoke to you before and I said, as long as you are comfortable in talking about it, you feel like you're strong enough to be able to talk about it, that it's not going to put you back in a dark place. Um, no, no, I, th I think it's, it's good. Uh, it's obviously just keep, keep speaking about it. Um, just so much more people might open up and speak about their experiences, you know. Yeah, I think any anyone that I've that I've heard that this has happened to, I've always tried to reach out to. Um, just because from my from my point of view, I didn't I didn't speak to anyone about it. I didn't seek counselling. I didn't try and you know confide with anybody from my family, any friends or anything like that. It was just a, you know, like how you doing kind of thing. Yeah, I'm sound. Not not really speaking about it. Yeah. Um. But as time's gone on, um, and you think, well, you get angrier and angrier, and things just, you know, like the the smallest little things will get to you, and then it's like, well, there's a clear reason why. And when you suppose look within, you'll you'll understand why, and that's when you you kind of need. To to do something about it so I think me trying to reach out to people to get them to talk that kind of helps me as well because then again I can you've got something in common and you can you can share experience with them and stuff like that and it's I'd have loved that for someone to reach out to me at that time just to know you've you got know, that just arm like around a, your shoulder sort of thing that's it you know like, like everything's going to be all right kind of thing it might not seem like it yeah you know, even to the, the point of someone saying you you might never feel 
complete. But that's that's normal. That's a normal thing to feel, you know. Absolutely. Do you know what? You you could not have worded that anything better if you'd have tried. It is something will always be missing, but that's not a bad thing to feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you could have worded that any better. Um, but, I mean, you can almost, obviously, when I've reached out to people on, obviously, my experiences, and and you can sort of see the relief in the body language that somebody fucking understands and, and somebody's, like, gone through a similar experience. Never going to be the exact same experience. And you can sort of see the relief on, on the face. And, like you say, it... It helps yourself as well. It helps you. Mm. Um, I mean, how? I, I mean, obviously, you've listened to my podcast. You know where where I ended up before I ended up seeking help. I mean, did you ever get to that point where you felt that you just didn't want to be here anymore or anything like that, or was it is it quite a you were more like along the anger anxiety sort of of level? More. More on the anger anxiety kind of level. Um, there were there were a brief period where things you know like crossed my mind, um, and it's when me and Ralph were going through a bit of a you know like a, a rocky patch to the point where we we kind of split up. Yeah, you know like I'd I'd moved out, I'd gone into like a rented accommodation and stuff, and that were hard. Um, cause it would just I wanted kids, but in in my mind, there was no way that I could have kids with anyone other than Franklin's mum. Yeah. So if I couldn't have kids with, uh, then I categorically weren't going to have any kids. So obviously, when you know we'd we were going through that patch and I'd moved out, and in my mind, it was kind of over in a way. I, you know, like I was trying then to get myself in that mindset that. I'm I'm not gonna have any kids, um, but obviously I mean, whether you're a believer in fate or or stuff like that, I'm not sure. But some you know some brought us back together. Like it's it's obvious that we were we were meant to be because we weren't we weren't apart for long. So we just started dating again, you know, like and just started again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then yeah, we that were it. I'd cancelled then. The um, agreement for renting a house, moved back in, and then yeah, we took it. We took it from there, and then happily ever after, as I say. <laughs> Mate, that's fucking brilliant to hear because anybody that's experiencing that will, you know, what I mean, to know that times your ally, <clears throat> you know, and and things will get better and things will get easier. And like you said earlier, it might not seem it at the time, but you know you're walking proof that you can come back from the depths of, of fucking hell as a person and as, as a parent to be able to be stood there proud and tall as you are, uh, you know, that you've, you've experienced that and you've come through the other side and yeah, you might still be missing a part of you, um, you know, but that's a, a, a normal thing to be in that position that you will feel that, but you know, you Props to your missus, mate. She must be some woman. Um, and props to you as well, mate, because you, you are some dad and, and should take some pride in that. pair of you should take a lot of pride in what you've been through and where you've come from and, and where you are now. And I, and I mean yeah. that. Cheers, mate. Um, Appreciate that. And, and anybody that's listening, you know, just listen to what, uh, what's what been said and, and things will get better. Things will get easier. Um just on a little note before we do leave it is is if anybody's listening to this is going through that or has experienced it and not actually dealt with it or had the strength or support to deal with it, is anything that you'd like obviously any advice that you, you've picked up along the way um i mean the the clear thing is which is what i didn't do is talk you know like it's such an easy thing to say but such an hard thing to do um especially when I suppose from like from a male point of view, you're trying to be strong for your wrath and you're trying to hold everything together and you know, from from our era kind of thing. That is the era that we come from. Men should be the rock and should be the support and 
and what have you, and you do bottle things up. But hopefully now as time goes on, that happens less and less and people do talk. One, um, I did go to a few Andy's Man Club sessions. Um, yeah, they are brilliant. Which I found were good. They are really good. Um, Man Club, yeah. I will umming and ahhing, um, but so, uh, some of it just weren't right and I knew that I needed to, to do something. Um, so I just thought in a, you know, like in a group session rather than on like a one-to-one basis, would, would that be better? Um, one of my mates said that he'd come with me for support as well. Um, so yeah, went to a couple of them and that, that helped like they were good. Cause it's not, you, you just get to see people from all walks of life. You know, yeah. you, you, you do realize that as bad as it is, what obviously that I went through and there's there's always someone worse off yeah so to the point where you know had it crossed my mind that I didn't want to be anymore yeah would I have done anything no um but then when you get to see you know like people from other walks of life like in your Andy's man club and stuff and they've been they've been on edge where they have tried doing stuff and you know, and they're still trying to get that help needed so that they can continue and stuff. It's it's an eye-opener. Puts things in perspective sometimes, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, definitely. Um, but they're, they're great. They're really good. And it's it's good to see that they're getting as big as they are, you know, like they've been on Emmerdale and stuff like that. And Yeah, I noticed that the other week. It were, they'd done an episode of it on Emmerdale, hadn't they? Which were unreal. Yeah. I know they're opening so more good and more across Their numbers the are growing. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I'm... I'm so chuffed that they are. I mean, they've just celebrated their anniversary, I think, this week. Um, and, and they're opening more and more all over the country. And yeah, I, I urge anybody. That's what. I, that's the first part of call I, I turn people to. Is is Andy's Man Club or, or the website Tough to Talk? They're the two that I urge anybody to go to. Because, like you say, one to one sessions. You've got to be a specific person for that because that's quite intense and quite. You know, it's literally a spotlight sort of thing. Whereas the Andy's Man Club, you know, it's quite a relaxed group atmosphere. You don't have to talk if you yeah. don't feel comfortable to talk. You can listen to other people talking their experiences. It is an incredible tool, is Andy's Man Club in in any man's arsenal. Even if you are in a good spot, drop on by. You know, you might, might be able to support other people as well, which is, you know, there is a couple of people when I went that, they they were just there basically to support other men, just because it was a good thing to do, sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. So what was the charity again called that you went to? Just just so we can just give him another shout out if that's all right. Sam's S A N D S. S A N D S. If anybody needs to uh, check that out, then you know it's there. Um, I'm sure if you give him a quick Google search, you'll be able to find him. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they are yeah, pretty a pretty big one. Um, we did like a, a 5k run, you know, to raise money for them. We've done a few different, you know, like charity things for, for it and that. So that's, that's good because what they do is, it is really good. Um, so yeah, uh, if anybody needs to definitely get in touch with them. Yeah, that's, that's, that's brilliant. I, I can't, uh, like I say, I can't imagine what you've both been through, but to see you both where you are now in life is just unbelievable. It really is, you know what I mean? And and you will never forget, Franklin, but you've built such an amazing life, you know, and like I said, big props to you both, mate, for that. And long may it continue as well, bud. Um, yeah, cheers, mate. And, and just on that note, I'd just... Um, I think we'll we'll call it a day, but I just I think we'll dedicate this one to Franklin, mate. To be honest with you, and um, yeah, we'll leave it on that. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for your time. Cheers. No worries, mate. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening to a No Place to Hide. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you for future episodes as well. If you do realise that you need somebody to talk to, you feel like you need to reach out, or even if you just need a bit of advice, please check out www.toughtotalk.com. These guys are running a fantastic men's mental health charity on their website. It's got links to about everything that you could possibly imagine. They've also got places for advice and help. 
If you need to speak to somebody on the phone, please contact the Samaritans on 116 123. Or alternatively, please contact the NHS 111 option 2. Remember guys, stay safe and we can only break this stigma together.